It's week 24, 2021, and Pinterest shopping is the mall of the future and the present. TikTok might be deep faking the world, and premium fashion is making your driveway the new runway. Let's get to it. Welcome to Clickbait and Switch, a marketing podcast that tries to cut through the bullshit and hook you up with what you need to know, what you don't, and what stories should be getting more love than they're getting. I'm Mark Delinsky. On the other mic is Gisela Slizer. Starting off this week, Pinterest shopping has landed in Australia, Canada, France, Germany, and there is a new feature called Shoppable Lists. Because Pinterest, at its core, is really a search engine of your idealized future, they have so many stats, they're so insightful into user mindsets, that I'm going to let Gisela describe them to you. <laughs> Yes, because it's a it's search, you can kind of dig into people's brains and understand how they search and through that, how they think, what they need, how they shop. Pinterest has been really smart about how they use their data in a lot of things, especially in shopping features. And they just came up with a new one where pinners can automatically save things to shoppable product lists. Um, this is a smart list that will even notify the user if there's a price change in the item, which is kind of a brilliant. In fact, Pinterest believes that people will be seven times more likely to actually go through and purchase when they use this feature. That's pretty wild. That's pretty wild, right? And as we've seen more and more, yeah. curation is really pre- playing a big, big role in all this social media, social shopping, we should say. And this feature is not an exception. Pinterest is launching this with a sort of celebration, which they're calling the Goods by Pinterest. For two weeks in the US, UK, and Canada, um, this curation will give pinners access to limited edition products exclusively sold through the Pinterest platform from emerging brands. So that's super cool. It's giving users really like plenty of reasons to come to the platform and stay there and shop. It's a win-win-win situation. Yeah, so this is going to compete with Facebook's Live Shopping Fridays and the recently announced Instagram drops, as well as other sort of curated shopping events. You've seen on Amazon, they'll talk about price drops and price changes if it's in your lists uh, or in your in your cart. So it's pretty interesting, all of this. And Pinterest is really trying to corner the market in that sort of like, I don't know, hot emerging trend zone, which is kind of fun, which is what it's there for, really. Yeah, and really leveraging this idea that like we recently spoke to Pinterest and they were telling us that they feel they're very different from other platforms in that their users are future-minded. If you think about it, you have people posting on Instagram the food they're eating right now or on TikTok, you know, a dance they did with um, a friend or whatever. So it's really past and present, but Pinterest is truly about the future. And when it comes to shopping, this mindset it's more tuned in with like bigger purchases and more meaningful purchases as opposed to the impulse shopping, which often leads to regret or returns. So it, it's really it's really kind of a wholesome shopping experience. I was just gonna say, like overall, it sort of seems like Pinterest is turning itself into this like virtual shopping mall. Completely. It's crazy, right? Like it's really gone from inspiration or to truly like window shopping that you can take action. Well, that's it. It's an inspiration based shopping mall. Yes, it really is. Like right now you can shop in so many ways on the platform. You have this new shopping list. You can search items with terms or words. You can use the lens to scan an item or 
maybe a person's outfit, <laughs> hopefully with permission, and you'll get a pin that you can then shop from. You have like your good old school product pins. There's new like TikTok style slash story formats that you can use for finding inspiration and shopping. Brands can have shop tabs. There's, I've said shop a million times in the past 30 seconds. Well, that's what all these platforms want you to do is shop, 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 shop on their fucking platforms. It's all they want to do now. So what else is on our radar this week, Mark? Well, we're going to start with Facebook. They're saying they're not going to charge creator products until 2023. So according to a Facebook post by Mark Zuckerberg, which read, to help more creators make a living on our platforms, we are going to keep paid online events, fan subscription, badges, and other upcoming independent news products free for creators until 2023. And then I guess then they're going to introduce the revenue share. It's probably going to be less than that of Apple probably like 29.95%. But uh, so until 2023 creators, yeah, go nuts. Go wild on Facebook. Zucky's got your back. They're really, really honing in and like focusing on sucking up to creators. This is their thing now. They just did like a creator week, their first ever, where they're really giving tools to creators to make money. Anyways. All right, the next one is something that's really close to your heart, and that is Netflix <laughs> is planning a subscription gaming service. That's true. I called it, Mark. There is no proof, but I've been calling this for years, and now you it's just, real. You just won't shut up about it in our <laughs> meetings. As Netflix growth really starts to slow, because now everybody has a subscription, of course, and... They need to find other sources of revenue, yeah. right? They got to keep growth happening, right? That's it. And what better than gaming and gamers? So now they're planning a subscription gaming services. A lot still needs to be defined. For example, are they going to offer only third-party games like Apple Arcade or are they going to include exclusive ones like Microsoft Game Pass and Sony's PlayStation? We don't know. Is the service going to use streaming technology or create apps to be downloaded on users' devices? Another thing we don't know. One thing that seems to be already decided on is that games will not carry advertising, which is a pretty significant decision. Fun fact, to close this new thing on our radar, Netflix subscriber base reportedly reached 200 million at the start of this year. In contrast, Microsoft Xbox Game Pass has just a fraction of that with 23 million subscribers as of April this year. So really, there's an opportunity there for Netflix. It's a bit Apple and Oranges, though, because Netflix is one thing and, and Xbox is another. That's true. Right? Like, there, is, there isn't really overlap in the moment. But it's just to show scale. Like, that's, that's fascinating. If you're already advertising a game subscription to a segment of that 200 million uh, subscriber base, that's already a pretty big advantage. Yeah, you have an audience. That's it. You have the audience. So moving on, during its worldwide developer conference last week, Apple made everyone shit their pants by announcing more privacy features coming to its iOS 15 software update later this year. So everyone kind of freaked out. Long story short, Apple's putting more limitations around email marketing and in-app advertising. The mail privacy protection for the Apple Mail app will prevent senders from knowing whether a user opened an email. Bye-bye open rates. And it will hide IP addresses so that senders can't link that action to other online activity to determine a user's location. So again, Apple is doubling down on its privacy. Additionally, later this year, Apple is going to hide IP addresses in Safari. This is going to make it harder for third parties to track users again across its devices, but doesn't necessarily prevent Apple from accessing the data. So the big question is, what now, Google? We're going to see what they do, uh, because every time Apple announces something recently, Android is going to do something similar in the world of privacy. So we'll see what happens next. 
Yep, interesting developments coming to the advertising world. So speaking of privacy, TikTok, last week, it updated its privacy policy in the U.S. to allow for the gathering of biometric data, including what it describes as face prints and voice prints. Now, we're not quite sure if this is bait, bullshit or not, but... You know, all of this might just depend on how we perceive TikTok in general, because it has these ties potentially to the Chinese government. And also because of its massive reach, it's very intuitive algorithm and it's massive amount of capital behind it. This update is getting a lot of attention. So a journalist on TechCrunch, God bless you, must be the only person who reads these rules and regulations. And thank you. Um, It's absolutely fascinating because, you know, Biden revoke some of these Trump actions, and now they're changing the privacy policies. Like, are we just going to get a bunch of deep fake videos of everyone on the planet thanks to the Chinese government? Like, that's the super conspiracy version of this, which makes me all tingly because <laughs> I'm a nut job thanks to TikTok. But, it, you know, it, there's other things, right? Yeah, and really, this may already have been happening before. It's just that Interestingly, timing-wise, the new policy came out just as TikTok paid out a ton of money from a class action lawsuit in Illinois over charges that it broke biometric privacy law in that state. So presumably he was TikTok was already doing some sort of data gathering, but it just wasn't like legally, you know, appropriate. So who figured that out in Illinois? I don't know. I don't know, know who figured That's that out in Illinois. Something to Something to look into for sure. And right now, it's really carefully worded, apparently, the update that they've done. So that basically it means that TikTok's policy allows it to collect the data of most U.S. users without their express permission because only a few states in the U.S. have laws to restrict the gathering of this information. So I don't know. It's still a little bit confusing. This only happened in the U.S., this update, because other countries, notably the EU, have way stricter controls on data collections. So, yeah. I mean, so there's no explanation as to why they're gathering this data. I mean, we assume other companies are already gathering this type of data, possibly Apple, possibly Amazon. We don't know. It's just like all ties are on, all all of these eyes are on TikTok because of these Chinese origins, because of that sort of framing that was given to it you know, especially last year, thanks to Trump. But the underlying this is like, this data is is super rich. Well, that's it. Like the non-bullshit part of this bait <laughs> is that data is never bullshit, right? Data is power. Data is knowledge. So we should still pay some sort of attention to it. Not to mention that the need for regulation that highlights how nobody reads privacy policies unless <laughs> they are journalists of course they yeah. work for TechCrunch. thank you so once again. Yeah, yeah we really need these policies to kind of step in where the masses don't i guess that sounded weird but you know what i mean right absolutely let's move on to the switch something that's completely different a little more tactile and that is retail on wheels. So as you so eloquently put, if the mountain will not come to Muhammad, then Muhammad must go to the mountains. So malls, retail stores, food trucks, and personalizations have met a pandemic. And it's resulted in this. These type of retail outlets are going to come to you. So we're first going to talk sort of like luxury retail and specifically Louis Vuitton. Earlier this year, the brand brought a literal truckload of its stuff straight to shoppers' doorsteps, turning your driveway into a runway. Existing Louis Vuitton clients in in the area of Los Angeles and Orange County could request LV by appointment, which was a fancy, futuristic-looking mobile boutique, basically a trailer, (laughs) filled with a selection of goods tailored to the shopper's personal preferences. 
and it came right to their doorstep. And there's no limit on how long could people could be in this uh, trailer. You know, each selection was curated and it was highly curated. So you might not need to go through the time of like trying it on. It was all your size and all that sort of stuff. It's a crazy personalization that gets driven up right to your door. And one assumes did particularly well in terms of, you know, revenue because you have an entire store roll up to your driveway. One assumes that there's going to be a pressure to purchase, right? I would feel so uncomfortable like if the brand made all this effort. I know the brand has the money to make the effort and they're gathering data and yada, yada, yada. But I would feel some sort of pressure to shop or at least like bring friends to shop with me in my personalized collection of sorts. Like, I don't know. I find this really, really insane. At the same time, it reminds me of the olden days where you had um, salesmen knocking at your door and displaying, you know, I don't know, plates and vacuum cleaners or whatever. <laughs> they really, it's the same concept, but except now it's brought to a more modern and luxurious, in this case, uh, scenario. But it's kind of brilliant. That's right. And it's kind of cool. And we've seen this, there's another company, Kriana, a premium fashion label from San Francisco, who's partnered with Toyota to make these traveling showrooms this year to go on this summer road trip. So what they're doing is they're creating these portable pop-up stores. They take up eight parking spots and can basically go anywhere. They take a couple of days to set up. But what's cool about this, and like uh, somewhat obviously, is these pop-ups are not only going to be selling stuff at these locations that could use a draw to them, but in this sort of economic downturn, what they're being used is they're gathering data on not only the foot traffic and the spending habits, but they're these like little micro test cases to see if these locations warrant brick and mortar decisions in the future. So they're going to go to all the sort of major metropolitan areas in the U.S. and test out these these stores in these different locations. Yeah, imagine a future when you don't even need the driver and you can use your Uber app to call the store that you want in your neighborhood or in your driveway. That's kind of exciting. Yeah. <laughs> I was That could be cool. Yeah, I'm also thinking of all these retail spaces other than malls or not only retail but office spaces that are currently empty and what's going to become of them and I feel like there could be a hint to their future lives in this idea of reinventing spaces and moving spaces and pop-up shops. Like I was telling you, Mark, offline in Buenos Aires, the city where I grew up, there's a bunch of areas where you have nightclubs and bars where people go dancing and drinking at night that during the day were completely dead and these spaces weren't being used. But then someone had a brilliant idea to use the space of a bar during the day, rent it out to individual independent designers and makers and have them sell their stuff in their space. So you, you could you can still do this, I presume, perhaps not during COVID, but <laughs> go around like the bar, the pool tables, shop clothes from independent designers on the pool table, on the bar stool. It's really, it's really cool and it gives the space a second life. It's kind of cool. That's it for us this week. So thank you to CloudRaker for providing support for the podcast. We should say these opinions are ours and ours alone. Yes, they are. That's all. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to subscribe, share, and see you next week. Bye.